0: I'll be honest, this episode came pretty close to Lamentation status for me. I hate to open with that, but I wanted to explain why we don't have the red lights going on. Because, wow! Okay, so... uh, I've said before that we have ended Hoshi's stuff like there was no more Hoshi-centric episodes. I'm pretty sure there's one Travis episode in, I want to say, Season 4. But I was wrong! There is one more Hoshi-centric episode. This is it! Actually, I don't remember if she has anything in season four, so forgive me. This is it for season three. I did check. This this is her only episode in season three. Yeah. Why this? All right. Now, this was also a bit of a small hallmark. Although what's funny is I'm not sure how. Several sources I saw, including the actual Blu-ray I was watching, said this was the first episode that was actually put out to uh, uh, to broadcasters in high definition. I'm like, cool. What's that mean? See, the problem is high definition is one of those phrases that's changed meanings over the years. And even if you ignore the changing in meanings, it also refers to a range, not a specific resolution. Was this 720p? 1080 were they putting it out at 2136 or whatever it is? I mean, I don't know. Just food for thought. I was just curious. But it does show how they're trying to push forward with this. It's one of the reasons why Enterprise was something that was put on Blu-ray, you know, so easily and effortlessly, whereas we still have not gotten DS9 or Voyager on Blu-ray, and there's a decent chance we never will. Because Enterprise was made in an era where that was kind of a thing, and so it takes substantially less effort to do so, and less cost and less time, so here we are. Anyway, stuff, stuff like this is why, though. That's kind of my point. They were already pushing out into HD, you know, 720 or 1080, whatever it is, at the time. So it's not that hard to, you know, upscale it or update it for the actual release. Cool. This, uh, this leads to the episode. Phyllis Strong wrote this. Now, no offense to her. She does some good stuff, has done some good stuff. She usually works with Mike Sussman. I've talked about that before. She will also write one of my favorite episodes of all of Enterprise later on. Um, And this was also directed by Roxanne Dawson. And you can tell because there's some cool stuff with the camera. Because she's a pretty decent director and she does some good stuff with it. Um, But, God, what what is this episode? All right, all right, all right. So, they're mapping the distortions. This, if you're paying attention, is the first time the Enterprise crew has actually managed progress that isn't luck based. They didn't just stumble into something. They have the information and they're like, let's, let's work with that. Let's think about that. And so they, so she maps it out and she maps out the idea of there being another sphere. And now they have devised a lead. They have in, intuited a lead. So now they're like, aha, now we can go ahead and try to do that. Cool. This then leads to, uh, Hoshi seeing stuff. I continue to make fun of the security of Starfleet. Well, I want you to imagine something. Imagine you are a security personnel, okay? Now, let's assume that you're sitting there, and you get a phone call, and the phone call says, security, help. And you're like, yes, hello. And there's no response. Now, even in real life, uh, 911 operators are trained to deal with situations like this. And there are protocols for that. But that's in real life, which is, Well, this is going to sound like a strange statement, but it's not a crisis situation. It may be in the moment, but my my point is all of life on all of Earth is not a crisis situation. But imagine you're on a starship, which is in hostile territory, in hostile space, literally, and there's been pirate attacks and invasions and all sorts of other fun stuff. So maybe under those circumstances, you might be on high alert normally? So if someone calls for security, maybe you should just respond to it, whether they respond to your comment or not? This is further exacerbated by later on in the episode, where he mentions, make sure to post security by the armory and by, like, the engineering or something like that. And my automatic response is, why aren't they there already? Shouldn't you already have a watch going? You've already been boarded by pirates. Technically twice, but, you know, the one real-time, right? (sighs) So Hoshi tries to get some scans, gets some medical help, she gets nothing. There's some really cool camera usage. They do this thing with the monitors, where like the monitors kind of are are the vision of her moving. And it gets this kind of surreal perspective. Because and this is why I give praise to Miss Dachson, because she does uh she does some really good stuff here. The idea is what we are seeing is actually supposed to be implied to be Hoshi's perspective, which is being warped and twisted while the telepathy is contacting her. Hence the things like the camera staying still and looking at an image of her as she's actually leaving the camera frame backing up. Or the super close-up of the face as she's spinning around trying to get her bearings, right? It's a good way to visually get across the disorientation that Hoshi herself is feeling. A+. plus. Oh. So, this then leads to Phlox showing up as the telepath. I And, I mean, he does a really good job of the creepy telepath thing, so that's neat. And then I'm just going to skip forward in my notes for a little bit because the, game, the, the episode, the game, starts to meander a little bit. So Hoshi makes the very clear point. We don't have the time to work on just one problem at a time anymore. You go deal with that. I will stay here. Que- uh, question. This guy's offering to help you find something about where this Zindi weapon was found thanks to psychometry. Okay. Are you offering him anything for that? Like, they have offered trade deals to virtually everyone they've encountered for all the stuff that they've gotten so far, and yet no one ever even mentions the idea of trading this guy for anything. Now, we know why. It's because he's the bad guy, and so you don't trade with the bad guy. But they don't know that initially, so why isn't that even something that's on the table? Like, hey, thank you so much. Is there something we could give to you? Now, there's another reason, but I'll get to that in just a minute. So, no. No offer of trade. This leads me to an interesting idea that I feel could have really been expounded upon. Company. Now, obviously, this is a Beauty and the Beast story. He wants, you know, the, the Beast wants Beauty to stay with him and therefore is willing to try and invoke Stockholm Syndrome in order to make it happen and yada, yada, yada. But the thing is, imagine a less creepy version of that. Imagine someone who just hangs out And loves hearing about tales or stories. I feel like this was a thing in some Star Trek somewhere, actually, where they would trade for the knowledge and information that other people would bring and in exchange for their material goods. Just as a way of reverse exploring, basically, right? You know, you you bring the cool stuff to us, we'll give you some tech and resources, or intel in this case, in return, and we both leave happy. And for someone who is in exile, who has been stuck on this planet for however many centuries, you'd think that would be the kind of thing he would value greatly. Just, I don't know, food for thought. That could have been an interesting hook and an interesting little tidbit. The downside of that is that leaves us without a threat. And call me someone who thinks that would be a good thing. For two reasons. First of all, we don't need a threat of the week every week. I don't care what the executives say, they're wrong the second reason though is that it would make for a bit of a breather episode you need breather episodes otherwise you're going to be call of duty modern warfare 3 you know pacing is an important thing when it comes to fiction and when you're doing long form storytelling and string continuity across a whole season you need to make sure that not every single episode of the season is <laughs> or else Well, it's bad pacing. It's going to cause the same problem that I've referred to many, many times, where it just it stops having impact and it stops mattering because it all just becomes noise. When all you hear is da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da, then it, it stops being as relevant. So you need those breather moments. You need those times where things pull back a little bit and the pacing pulls down a little bit in order to keep things going. They've been going full tilt the entire time they're in here. This arguably is a breather episode, because the only thread is relatively low tier and is solved within seconds. <sighs> this is such a dumb episode. But make it a real breather episode. Make this a lonely person who is lost here and stuck here because of all of this crap. And someone who has been abandoned by his people, and yada yada yada. You could go with this whole story thread, right? In fact, one of the things I plan to mention, if we ever do a rewrite of this episode specifically, is to connect him to TOS history. I'll cover that in just a minute. Instead, what happens is he's like, hi, I'm here. And so we see a cool scene, a cool culture scene. I have tried to replicate this food. He didn't say replicate. I've tried to recreate this food based on your memories of the taste buds. And we see macaroni and cheese, a hamburger, a pineapple and Canadian bacon pizza, Hawaiian pizza. (laughs) No comment. uh, that, that, That got a laugh out of me. And some alien dish he's never had before. Cool. Cool, cool, cool. That's got to be an interesting challenge, doesn't it? Trying to reverse engineer a dish just from the memories of the taste. The, the Though you kind of wonder how he manages to do this, but whatever. Um, so then we find out that he's been violating her regularly. Oh, not like that. Uh, mentally, which is actually arguably worse by just perusing her memories. Now, she acts mildly upset about this pause you remember back in uh regime i made a point that that particular violation was more acceptable not because it wasn't bad but because it was portrayed properly as a horrible and bad thing as something that was a horrific act that was properly horror like that was a horror episode and they did that reasonably well and that made it more acceptable Here we have it, it's being treated like, oh, like I accidentally glanced at the newspaper. And and that's the level of severity that's being given for someone who has, without permission, completely scanned and perused someone else's memories. The only time she gets upset about that is when he starts doing it again later in the episode. It's just, yeah, okay, whatever. What? And this is the problem TNG had so many times that I referenced several times over on TNG. The problem isn't the violation itself. As horrible as that would sound, I would kind of rather that sort of thing not be in my fiction, if I'm being completely honest. But if you're going to do it, make it as horrible as it is. Make that the point, that this is a horrific act of violation. And and showcase that and utilize that and do something with it, narratively speaking. Don't just kind of be like, oh, yeah. What?! If someone actually violated... I hate to keep reason that word, but I don't have a better word. If someone intruded upon my memories in such a manner as was done to Hoshi, I would be livid. <sighs> my memories are my own. Thank you. If I want to share them, then I will do so. Lord knows I have no problem sharing stuff with my real life on this show to a bunch of strangers on the internet. But if you just take that from me, well, that's the problem, isn't it? Anyways. So, that's awful. Then we find out that he's a one in a 50 million person. Okay, so I did the math. That would mean, on average, there would probably be about 152 telepaths on Earth at any given point in time, assuming current figures. So, okay, that's, that's a pretty small number. Decent variance, decent variance. Um. So, qu- question. If there's only 152 of you on a whole planet... And they hate and fear you to the point where they're exiling you. Why do you live in this luxury palace that, that is so advanced that it can make food out of absolutely nothing apparently and has had no resource problems or energy problems and instead looks like a perfect palatial place, perfectly clean too somehow and has been for centuries? This isn't exile. <laughs> this is retirement. <laughs> Oh, by the way, when he was leaving, we find out in a later scene, his parents gave him a device to amplify his telekinesis. What? These people... I want you to imagine real-life Earth. I want you to imagine there's 152 people on the whole planet, spread out, by the way, not just in one country, like all over the place. And I want you to imagine that as one of them is being kicked off to Mars, which is now Perfect Palace Land that has infinite resources and a cleaning droid staff or whatever, and replicators, I want you to imagine that as we're doing all this to kick this one person off to Mars, I want you to imagine that we give them a device that we have built that magnifies and amplifies their powers. What? Who built that? Who studied that? Who had the time and investor and resources necessary to actually bother to make such a device, to conceive of such a device? If they're so big on exiling these people, why are they actively designing tools that can only be used by them and, indeed, further their goals? I'm not even going to get into the point of how do you find however many planets in order to exile all these people onto. I mean, I know there's a lot of planets in space, but come on, that's 152 planets. Just, we're just wiping those out. Those are no longer part of the maps because they're exiles. Huh? Now... All of this makes sense if you do one relatively small change. This is Trelane's people. Think about it. Advanced mental powers, the ability to make things, to rearrange molecules in order to craft things out of other things, right? right? To generate, not fully Q-like, not to the full extent of Q powers, but certainly leaning in that direction. You'll notice towards the end of the episode, he actually just turns off all the power on the Enterprise. Somehow. It's never explained how. He doesn't even have his device when he does it. Or rather, to be more accurate, he doesn't even have his amplifier when he undoes it. So he just has the ability to do that. None of this makes any sense unless you presume that this is one of Trelane's people. And if we really take this to the logical extreme, that after a while, the rest of Trillane's people either died out or split off sufficiently, and thus the the 150 or whatever became the people that were Trillane's people, right? Like, that's, that's the only way this makes even the tiniest bit of sense, and even that is not something I'm willing to give the episode. But that connection would at least explain away basically everything. He even uses devices to expand and re- and better utilizes powers. I mean, think about it. What am I hearing? <laughs> Sorry. Anyways, whatever. So, obviously, this is not Trelane. Obviously, is this just some random dude who has some random powers that happens to be here? And it's another godlike alien scenario. And the whole thing just falls apart completely he is also if i might be so bold remarkably well uh balanced emotionally and mentally for someone who's supposedly been completely isolated from other loving sentient sapient beings for a century that's uh that's pretty impressive then there's the fact that we cut to the other team and they i don't know what they're doing i'm sorry for the noise they have uh they're on the they're on the sphere trying to get more data on the sphere okay that's cool it's uh there's not much interesting going on there because one of the first things that happens is they land and fiddle with the the circuitry on the shuttle pod, and in so doing, accidentally activate one of the thrusters. Now, first of all, I'd like to kind of raise my eyebrow just a little bit at the fact that this one thruster, and only this one thruster, completely defeats the gravity of the sphere such that when that thruster turns off, it immediately comes colliding back into the gravity well of the sphere. I'm not going to argue that one too much, but what's funny about this scene is that it's so damned pointless. It is more or less effectively pure padding. This could have been absolutely horrifying. It's so easy to picture. Alright, you're on the moon. Okay, You hop out of the rover. It's like, okay. Or hop out to the lander. All right, And then the lander takes off. You're still on the moon. Think about it. <laughs> it would even fit the theme of exile. Because congrats, you're stranded and there might not be enough air in your tanks before they decide to come look for you, and they might not find you. <laughs> That's horrifying. That is such a terrifying situation. It's actually more or less the exact same thing that Shuttlepod 1 pulled back in Season 1. Same idea. Yeah, sure, we have this space tech and all, and we have a spaceship, but we're here, and there, we're this one dinky little speck that may never be noticed, so... um, <laughs> You know... But no, they they solve it within seconds. Okay, whatever. And then we have fake Archer show up. And the beginnings of what might be a dilemma, you know, the recurring theme of Season 3, I had no choice slash whatever it takes, right? But instead of that, it's very obvious that this is fake Archer. Very quickly, I'm not sure what he thought he was getting away with here. Maybe he's just stupid? I don't know. And that leads to... Maybe actually doing something with that dilemma. Okay, he insists that she stay. Sure. And that way he'll give him the information. Are you willing to trade a crew member for this kind of thing? Is this the kind of line you are willing to cross? Now, this is arguably something they probably shouldn't do. Lord knows they have already said no to screwing over one crewmate for the sake of the mission. Because they already did that with DePaul. But, you know, it's something that could be brought up. But no, instead it's obviously a fake... Cool. So then he disables the ship perfectly because... Magic. Um, Meanwhile, the ship is losing uh, chunks of its hull because of gravimetric distortions. Cool. How does the Trillium-D protect against gravity again? I'm just... Whatever, whatever, whatever. It's it's not obvious. I really don't like this episode. But then... The episode fails one last time. So there's two outro uh, scenes. One is first, and the other is second. It should have been flipped, in my opinion. Because the second scene is him being like, I have a f- parting gift for you. The information you were looking for the whole time. Okay. And then she goes to Archer and says, we fi- we might have found this information. And then it cuts to Black. I would have had that before the other scene. And like, Okay, thank you, Hoshi. We'll set a course immediately. And then I would have cut to, to Paul, who's just quietly sitting in the thing. Archer comes in. She's like, hey. I thought I was the only one who you know lived in here at my off hours. She was like, I was doing some readings, and then we see the camera, and it shows the screen, and this is this is actually a really good scene. The zo- it zooms out, and then we see wave upon wave of the projected possible spheres, and then Archer turns. How many? It's hard to tell, but at least fifty. And then I would have cut to black right there, because. It, rather than have the dumb line where Arch is like, did you think maybe they did this to make The Expanse on purpose? And T'Pol says, why would anyone do that? Because those are both dumb lines. Cut both of those, throw them out the window. Instead, just have it chopped right there. Over 50, cut to black. The reason I would restructure it this way is because, first of all, the the reveal that we have some information on where to go for our next lead is not dun-dun-dun material. It's not episode-ender material. It's just another step in the path. However... The revelation that there are over, or roughly, 50 of these spheres out there, that's dunk, dunk, dunk material. That's a revelation. That's a new layer of the situation that is being unveiled to the audience. And that's kind of a good thing to end the episode on. Remember, one of the many hooks and many plot threads we have going through Season 3 is the environment, the expanse itself. And the spheres are intimately tied into that. And now we have just discovered that the situation is even worse than we thought it was. And a question mark is being prompted. Who would build one of these? Never mind who would build 50 of them, and why? But instead, the episode screws it up, because this episode sucks. Hey! Great episode for Hoshi's outro. Possibly her last episode in the series, definitely her last episode in the season. Why does Trek do this? Trek's been doing this since TOS, Uhura. But but Trek's been... why, Why? Why is this a thing? I know you always got to have your big three, but actually I don't know why you've got to do that. Having at least a big one makes sense to me. It does. It's not something I approve of, but there is a logic there because you need a face for your show. You need someone you could put on the cereal boxes. You need someone you could put on the posters. You need someone you can go to the conventions. You need a face that normal people, no nice way to say that, can identify immediately and say, that's track right there, right? There's a reason why it's usually associated with Kirk, Picard, and Cisco and Janeway, and Archer. Because usually it's a cent- centered around the captain. So having the big one, okay, that makes sense. But they've been doing the big three since TOS, and I've always hated that. Even DS9 had this problem a little bit. Not, not, not nearly as bad as the other shows, to be clear. Spread the time around. Give the different actors room to breathe and do things, for God's sakes. It can't be that hard. You already hired these people. They're already here showing up for the episodes. Do something with them. (sighs) Anyways. Rant off. Let's move on and get even further into The Expanse. No relation to The Expanse, the books. Or the show. Or, look, whatever.